Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome to Monday. It's the Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN and on demand on your favorite podcast platform anytime you like. Well, it's 5.09. It is Monday, May 22nd. Uh, coming up on the show today, uh, hot news with Flatwater Free Press featuring, frankly, an amazing story from an award-winning journalist, Joe St- Starita. Uh, sorry, Joe. Joe Starita. Uh, in the title of Joe's story, Ukrainians narrowly escaped death and destruction before landing in Lincoln. So stay tuned for that after the break uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, in just a moment, we'll go live to the state capitol for an update from Aaron Sanderford uh, with the Nebraska Examiner. Uh, but say hello to Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire. Johnny, how's your Monday so far? Uh, it's going. It's going. It's good to be here, though. Yeah. Well, uh, a little camping update. If you tuned in to Friday's show, we did a extended uh, oh, that was so much fun. discussion about uh, my camping excursion. So uh, it was cold Friday night, I'll tell you that. Uh, woke up, I think, Saturday morning. It was like 40 degrees. I was tent camping, if you didn't catch uh, the Friday Afternoon Club uh, on Friday. And... Uh, so thankfully, I made it through the night with a little bit of adult beverage and a heavy, very heavy comforter. Uh, but the stars were out. The food was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was a fun time. Well, uh, let's talk about what everybody else uh, seemingly is talking about uh, in the country right now. <clears throat> and that is uh, uh, from the Associated Press a story from earlier this afternoon, Republican Nebraska Governor Jim Pillen has signed into law earlier this afternoon legislation that bans abortion at 12 weeks of pregnancy and restricts gender-affirming medical care for people younger than 19. Uh, The abortion ban will take effect immediately uh, after the governor's signature, which he he placed his signature on that bill earlier this afternoon. And the ban on gender-affirming care takes effect on October 1, uh, if you've not been following that, <laughs> those two very controversial issues uh, in the Nebraska legislature, uh, Nebraska's conservative-led unicameral, as the Associated Press reports this afternoon, on the AP National Wire, uh, passed the bill with two contentious issues, the bill with the two contentious F issues, uh, on Friday afternoon, hours uh, after hours of heated debate. Uh, conservative lawmakers wrangled just enough votes on Friday uh, to end the filibuster and approve it. Uh, the, the bill's opponents have promised, uh, the story's not over yet, folks, the bill's opponents have promised to sue to try to block uh, both of those, uh, b- b- both controversial issues contained in that law. Um, and by the way, just reading through social media uh, over the weekend, um, there's talks of uh, boycotts of certain businesses uh, here in town over that issue. And you know what, folks? I, uh, I've i never been a fan of boycotts. First of all, I don't think they're effective. And second of all, um, if, if, if I boycotted every company, every musician, every poet that I didn't 100% agree with... Um, I'd live a pretty boring life. 
So, so I understand people's emotions uh, get pretty riled up on these culture issues. And even after uh, the bill is done and passed, uh, people want to continue to, uh, to try to um, extract uh, pain from their opponents on both sides. This isn't just one side. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of boycotts. I'll tell you that. Um, but uh, coming up, uh, as I said, later from uh, the state capitol uh, down the street on, on K Street, uh, Aaron Sandiford. And they're taking up today, they're in the middle of discussing uh, the voter ID, voter ID bill. And uh, so we'll get an update from Aaron in a, in a minute or so here from the state capitol. And then uh, later on uh, from uh, Flatwater Free Press, Joe Starita. Uh, Joe's got a long-standing uh, history of investigative journalism here in Nebraska, a longtime uh, professor of journalism at the University of Nebraska, a very storied uh, uh, journalism career throughout the country. Uh, he's been back uh, to Nebraska now for, for many years, uh, teaching at the university. Uh, I believe he has emeritus uh, status now. Um, but anyway, Joe's going to be coming up uh, later in the show and talking about his uh, amazing story of these Ukrainian uh, refugees that ended up uh, here in Lincoln. And uh, it's a pretty amazing uh, story. Uh, uh, the title of, of Joe's story, 10 people, one busted Volvo and 900 miles to go. Ukrainians narrowly escape war before landing in Lincoln. Uh, it's a pretty Pretty amazing story. You could see it um, uh, anytime on Flatwater Press, flatwaterfreepress.org. Uh, I did see it on the front page of the Journal Star yesterday, uh, that story. So uh, look forward to hearing from Joe. Uh, meantime, uh, I continue my uh, enjoyment of the new HBO miniseries, uh, uh, The White House Plumbers, uh, details a story that I'd really never heard before in a somewhat of stat satirical way of uh, G. Gordon Liddy and uh, and his compatriots uh, in, in breaking into the Watergate uh, complex. Uh, most people don't uh, realize that the Watergate complex, because we've heard that word throughout our lives, uh, most of us, and now it's become synonymous with... Uh, Every time there's a scandal in government or, or outside of government, uh, there's uh, always the word gate, whether it's Pizzagate or uh, whatever uh, scandal has always been uh, associated with that word. But interesting, the, the complex, the Watergate building uh, that the Democratic National Headquarters was located in that Nixon's people broke into, here's what's fascinating. Um, and this details this in, in the series, the HBO series. Uh, there's a companion uh, podcast as well. Uh, so I've been learning things, and I've been a student of history and a student of, if you heard my little uh, monologue on my political origins a few days back, uh, I detail how uh, nerdy 10-year-old Danny was <laughs> reading the newspaper and uh, watching the Walter Cronkite Evening News. And... Um, and uh, following Watergate and, and Nixon's resignation. <clears throat> and by the way, uh, in that monologue, I, I screwed up the date of Nixon's resignation. 
uh, I try to be a good journalist and go back and re- <laughs> and, uh, and correct my mistakes. It was 1974. It was August of 1974 was his resignation. Um, but anyway, one of the fascinating things in this new HBO series, um, which is very accurate, uh, they, they take some liberties with some of the aspects of the story, but it's, it's pretty accurate. Uh, one of the fascinating details, it actually took them four, it was the fourth attempted break-in of the Democrat National Headquarters in the Watergate complex, uh, before they actually broke in. They had three, uh, three attempts that they didn't even uh, get in. It was a, uh, the way they depicted it in the, uh, in the HBO series. Uh, uh, they had the wrong tools uh, to break into the locks in one episode. Um, uh, the, t- the, the door that was supposed to be open was not open on one occasion. Um, anyway, by the time the fourth time that they broke in or tried to break in, they were successful. Uh, they successfully got in, uh, but because of some mistakes they made, uh, the police uh, found them and arrested them. And uh, and so the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so uh, coming up uh, later on the show, as we said, uh, we're going to check in with uh, Aaron Sandiford from Nebraska Examiner on what the heck is going on in the Nebraska legislature. <clears throat> they have taken up... Um, the uh, the bill to uh, to codify into law what Nebraska's uh, Nebraska voters overwhelmingly voted for uh, last November, and that was a bill uh, on voter ID requiring uh, uh, ID identification uh, when you go into the polling booth. And there's been some controversy, amazingly, from um, from two Republicans. And uh, so we'll check in with Aaron in a little bit uh, to hear what is going on that maybe why uh, Aaron can't get to the phone right now because he's uh, actually following the debate and I don't have it up in front of me to see what's going on but I'm uh, keeping my eye open yeah but that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to hear uh, because what has happened is uh, Secretary of State Bob Evanen, uh has had some amendments to Julie Slamas the chief uh, sponsor of the bill and Senator Slama also was um, responsible for heading the uh, uh, heading the uh, the ballot issue campaign last fall, and uh, so it's been a a pet project of Senator Slama's, and she's uh, very well educated and very passionate about the issue. And but uh, Secretary of State Bob Evanen, of course, as our Secretary of State, is who is responsible for administering uh, our election laws. And um, he made the comments, and and uh, which I think maybe a lot of Nebraskans uh, uh, thought or think, and that is, um, do we really need to make this as restrictive as we get? Like I said, uh, the Nebraska legislature now that uh, the voters voted to change the Constitution to make it mandatory for voter ID uh, for elections, uh, it's now up to the legislature to put into practice uh, by law uh, that constitutional amendment. And so uh, Secretary of State Bob Evanen, uh really uh, had some changes that he wanted to make to Senator Slama's bill. Uh, he uh, he got that introduced in committee. Um, well, he didn't personally. I don't 
I don't think the Secretary of State can introduce legislation or amendments, but he recommended uh, changes to the bill, uh, which were adopted uh, by the uh, committee. And uh, Senator Slama did not like that, did not like those changes. Uh, she felt that they were making the bill um, maybe less effective uh, than what she thought voters had voted for. And uh, anyway, so there's a, a difference of opinion amongst uh, two Republicans, uh, Secretary of State Bob Evanen and and State Senator Julie Slama, of how that bill will be implemented. And uh, so actually, uh, Senator Slama is filibustering uh, her own bill uh, currently uh, all day long on the floor of the Nebraska legislature. So we'll see what uh, happens with that, but uh, we expect... Uh, to hear a report from Aaron Sandiford from Nebraska Examiner here in a little bit uh, coming up. Well, uh, back to uh, Governor Pillen uh, signing uh, the bill into law today that uh, that made uh, uh, that made abortion more uh, restrictive in Nebraska and also uh, allowed uh, uh, well the legislation bans abortion at twelve weeks. Uh, there was attempts to. Uh, make it even more restrictive, but that was, uh, there was a bill, there was an amendment to make it 20 weeks, it was originally six weeks, there was a bill, uh, or an amendment, excuse me, to that bill that would have made it 20 weeks, uh, and then they finally settled on uh, 12 weeks of, uh, bans abortion at 12 weeks of pregnancy, and then the other very controversial bill in the legislature uh, this session, uh, dealing with gender-affirming medical care, uh, they combined those two uh, bills and passed those on uh, on Friday. And uh, as we said, the abortion ban uh, takes effect immediately, takes effect uh, uh, tomorrow, I believe. And, uh, and so you can imagine a lot of uh, national uh, headlines uh, on both of these bills, both of these, because these bills have been showing up, uh, both of these bills across uh, conservative, uh, Republican-led legislatures here in the country uh, uh, all this year. And so they, um, so yeah, uh, Nebraska's being talked about in the national media today. Um, we'll take, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I personally wish that uh, we were talking about something other than controversial issues in the, uh, the national media. Uh, but hey, you know, that's... Uh, that's the state we live in. That's uh, uh, the voters uh, uh, certainly elected those 49 state senators to represent their views. And but boy, it's been a contentious, contentious uh, session over there uh, this year. It's been uh, lots of name calling. Uh, we talked to uh, Congressman Mike Flood, who, as most of you may know, Congressman Flood, uh, when he served in the Nebraska legislature, he was a speaker of the Nebraska legislature. So. It always falls upon the speaker to try to maintain some type of decorum and uh, in the legislature. And uh, so I asked uh, uh, Congressman Flood when we had him on last week uh, if he'd paid much attention of what his former colleagues were doing. And he said he'd been pretty busy in Washington, but yeah, understood that things were uh, kind of coming off the rails. And and so there are not many days left uh, in the legislature. And so. Uh, I know there's a lot left to get done. Um, uh, the filibusters uh, continue to slow uh, progress down. And um, 
So we'll see. Well, um, we will take a quick break, and we'll come back after this, and uh, we'll hopefully chat with uh, Aaron Sanderford from the Nebraska Legislature. Uh, we'll take this break and be right back on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And welcome back to the Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And anytime you like on your favorite podcast platform. Well, joining us on the Rick Stein Recognition Hotline is Aaron Sanderford from Nebraska Examiner. Hey, Dan. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. And and Aaron's live from the state capitol where he's enduring yet another day of filibusters and shenanigans. But Aaron, thanks for taking a minute to uh, call in and, and chat. Glad to do it. You know, the, 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 the interesting thing today is you're seeing a little bit of the spill out onto the floor uh, of, of a debate that's been happening behind the scenes since the very beginning of the session kind of between what vision of voter ID they, they want, uh, the majority wants to implement uh, in Nebraska since voters passed that uh, initiative petition in 2022. Right. Uh, voters passed that overwhelmingly, and now it's up to the Nebraska legislature to implement uh, legislation to make that happen, and and things aren't quite going as planned. You know, the, the government committee, um, from from what I was following, they were working on a kind of a twin track approach. They they worked with uh, Senator Slama, who was basically the public face of that voter ID initiative uh, as it ran, uh, actually funded by uh, a lot of uh, former Governor Pete Ricketts's family's money. Um, they they uh, she, she was kind of the public face of that effort and, and felt very strongly that she should carry the bill uh, that implemented voter ID. And that's why you're seeing her uh, in some ways uh, filibuster today. Uh, is because the the version that they used, the government committee went to their backup, which their backup plan was a kind of more limited version of of, uh, implementing voter ID, very narrowly focused on allowing people to write down their state ID number on the envelope when they request a ballot. And and, and Aaron, we're going to run out of time here, I'm sorry to say. Um, Aaron Sanderford from Nebraska Examiner will be right back on 1499.3 KLIN. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. And we're working on the educating and uh, informing part of the show. <laughs> and uh, But some of it's entertaining, too, because I cut off my guests. Hey, joining us back on the uh, uh, Rick Stein uh, Recognition Hotline is Aaron Sanderford, a political reporter with the Nebraska Examiner, straight from uh, that uh, Tower of Sandstone down on K Street. Aaron, forgive me for cutting you off that last segment. No, you forgive my ignorance of your hard break. Next time I'll be better prepared and try to be on time. Yeah, no. the, uh, the, but the biggest thing I was trying to say is basically what you're having is a fight between two different branches uh, of Republican over how strict the voter ID bill should be and what it should include. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Secretary of State Bob Evanen uh, uh, approached uh, the, the committee, uh, one of the committees, to have an amendment to, to Senator Slama's bill, which was approved, correct? 
yeah, the, the, it's a little bit more complex than that. Yeah, the, the, the Senator Brewer, who's the chair of the committee, That's the right. government committee, he requested uh, Evans' help drafting it, or <laughs> Evans' office's help drafting it. And what they were trying to do was get something that was really narrowly focused on how do we check IDs in a way that doesn't disenfranchise people from being able to exercise their right to vote. I like that uh, concept. And, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a. I mean, that seems very very straightforward, but but there there is also uh, in in Senator Slama's uh, amendment and approach. There's also a legitimate reason from her perspective um, to to try to look at you know, are there some parts of the system that need to be improved? And the big debate they're having right now is is whether or not they should hew very narrowly to what the voters approved or whether they should try to be broader at trying to fix what they think are limitations in the election system, like checking, you know, citizenship of voters, an additional layer of checks, that sort of thing. Well, <clears throat> yeah, it's fascinating. We're talking to Aaron Sanderford, Aaron Sanderford from Nebraska Examiner, live from the state capitol. He's uh, doing yeoman's work uh, down there, watching one filibuster after the next, and they're debating the voter ID bill today. And so, Aaron, how much longer? So, as I understand it, Senator Slama is uh, conducting a filibuster against her own bill. Uh, it's, it's, it, that was the way it began, but they're actually using a different uh, bill. The, the committee ended up, Senator Slama had threatened and was willing to follow through on, on a threat to kill her own bill. So uh, the government committee had to use uh, basically uh, a bill that they were going to use to clean up elections. It was their annual election cleanup bill, uh, 514. Uh, and they ended up gutting that and amending uh, the committee amendment onto that so that uh, uh, they would be able to have the first crack at at uh, changing the bill. Uh, if they had used Senator Slama's bill, she would have had full control over the debate. It would have been much harder for them to get uh, it passed uh, the goalie in time. Right, right. So uh, what do you expect the rest of today, uh, Aaron? You, you know, I, just eyeballing the, the that first committee vote, which was, uh, I believe, 32 to 3 on the amendment, I think they have the votes uh, for the Brewer proposal, the committee proposal. But uh, in this business, anything is possible. They're going to have to have 33 to get that filibuster. And uh, you, you just never know. But uh, it, as Senator Brewer told me a few minutes ago, the, the, it, it's, it's, hard, uh, it, it's hard for one person to filibuster a bill like this and get support. So I, I think it, I think the support for the committee amendment holds, but I gave up a long time ago trying to predict that place. And this year, a lot of people would have lost money if they tried to predict. Absolutely. Well, Aaron, thank you for uh, coming on. We'll check in with you from time to time. You and your colleague uh, Paul Hamill. Paul, Paul beat you to the punch. We had Paul on. Uh, was it last week? Uh, anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I hope. I hope uh, if your readers are wanting to find some yes. Good, uh, Capital News. Try us at uh, NebraskaExaminer.com. You can sign up for our newsletter for free. Uh, Cindy Gonzalez, Paul Hamill, Zach Wendling, our, our, our intern who just graduated, he's a good, he's a good one. Uh, we, we, try and, uh, we, we try and jokingly call ourselves Politico on the flat. <laughs> well, and I read you every day, and it is. Uh, it's, a, it's a free service, and it's a great uh, group of journalists. Uh, uh, I've, I've made it my mission, Aaron, to be a champion of local journalism on this show, and so uh, we'll continue to do that. Uh, Aaron Sandiford from Nebraska Examiner, thanks for checking in from the state capitol.
All right. Let me know if there's anything I can help with, and next time I'll be on time. <laughs> I'll do better uh, directing. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Talk to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, here we are uh, on the, the Monday edition of the Dan Parsons Show, 1499.3 KLIN. And anytime you want to find us on your favorite podcast platform well let me welcome onto the show onto the uh, rick stein recognition hotline uh joe starita a uh, contributing reporter for flatwater free press and joe has authored an amazing story about a family of ukrainian refugees who have found a new home here in lincoln and joe just let me embarrass you just for a quick minute before you come on uh joe's professor emeritus at the university of nebraska lincoln's college of journalism and mass communications where he taught many of the college's in-depth reporting classes uh, before coming uh, before joining the journalism f- faculty joe spent 13 years at the miami herald and served as the paper's new york bureau chief uh, he spent four years on the Herald's investigations team uh, and was a Perlitzer Prize finalist in local reporting. Uh, returned to his native Nebraska in 1992 and has since written three award-winning books about native history and culture, including I Am a Man, Chief Standing Bear's Journey for Justice. Joe Sturedith, welcome to the Dan Parsons Show. Dan, happy to be a part of your show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a delight, Joe. And, uh, you know, I missed you at the J School by about a decade and a half, but uh, uh, but there was another Parsons uh, that you had for a while. So uh, Yes, I remember the name. <laughs> well, better late than never. Here we are. That's right. Well, Gabriella was a much better, is a much better writer and certainly has video and photography skills that her dad doesn't have. So uh, Yes, she was a wonderful talent. Uh, I wish her the best. Yeah, she's she's down and she took off to Austin. So uh, anyway, that's good for her. Yeah, she's having fun. Well, Joe, uh, this story: uh, ten people, one busted Volvo, and nine hundred miles to go. Ukrainians narrowly escape war before landing in Lincoln. Um, just a fabulous story, Joe. Thanks for for writing that. Can you walk us through some of the uh, the details of that story and how those two families uh, ended up here in Lincoln? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those stories when you first uh, encounter the narrative arc of it, you think, well, this is uh, something right out of Hemingway or Steinbeck or Faulkner, some fictional account of a heroic journey, and then you start drilling down into the details and and, and asking more questions and gathering more information. Uh, and when you put it all together, it is just—it uh, is really an amazing. When all is said and done, it is a real-life story that kind of underscores one of the great themes of literature, which is the will to survive. Hmm. And in this story, um, you have ten people packed into a 37-year-old Volvo that hadn't been driven in two years, that had no radiator at one point, four flat tires and multiple engine problems. The two Ukrainian brothers who married twin Belarus sisters and had six children, young children uh, between them, had only one means to escape their village 15 miles from the Russian border. Hmm. And that was in this ancient 37-year-old Volvo. So the brothers, uh, they just started cannibalizing parts from different cars, and uh, they uh, got the tires uh, to the point where they could drive into a village and get uh, get some new tires, and they just cobbled all of this together. And once the Russian bombs started falling, they packed uh, their entire family into this 37-year-old jalopy, 
and they uh, took their six small children hmm. and jammed them into the back seat with their mother. So you had eight people in the back seat My of goodness. this 37-year-old Volvo, and it went from the Russian border to the Polish border across the entire country of Ukraine in sub-zero weather with no heater, dodging Russian missiles, bombs, hmm. and rockets for seven days until they finally got to the Polish border uh, and made it uh, somehow. Uh, it, it is still inexplicable how they managed to uh, pull this off, but they, hmm. they made it to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, they were being persecuted as Christians uh, in their East uh, Ukrainian Kharkiv region, and they wanted to find a place where Christians were protected, and they had gotten their Pentecostal father and mother out seven years earlier, had not seen their parents in seven years. Wow. But this 37-year-old Volvo uh, with the six kids crammed into the back got them across their country and eventually through a whole series of uh, hard to believe, but real life uh, miracles eventually got them to Lincoln, Nebraska, where they are so thankful to be living the good life. Wow, Joe, that is that is just amazing. We're visiting with Joe Starita, a contributing reporter for Flatwater Free Press, and his amazing story. Uh, Joe, I was heartened to see it on the front page uh, with a nice color photo in the Lincoln Journal Star yesterday, yeah. the Sunday edition. And uh, as as I think our listeners have have learned here the last few weeks, and featuring uh, Flatwater Free Press, uh, uh, just tremendous journalists uh, and and uh, Flatwater Free Press. The model is they give the news away. Uh, yes, and, they're, they're doing a fantastic job, and uh, they're showing us just how important good good local journalism is is in enriching the fabric of democracy. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, here we are on the Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN, visiting with Joe Starita from uh, Flatwater Free Press. And Joe, um, you know, one of the... um, one of the comments uh, I, I'd read in the news in the newsletter from uh, from Matthew uh, on Friday was um, it was Ryan uh, Ryan uh, the new Lincoln reporter yeah. uh, took over uh, Matthew's uh, Friday newsletter right and he made the comment about your story Joe that uh, it's such Lincoln is such a diverse welcoming community to refugees and has been for many many years and uh and here's just yes. yet another story of that and how the people of Lincoln just welcomed um these Ukrainian families uh, through this harrowing yeah. adventure uh yeah yeah and 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 the Ukrainians uh, could not be more grateful to Lincoln uh, this whole welcoming began really in the in the 70s with the, the Vietnamese boat people, and it went from there to Afghans to Yazidis to uh, Ukrainians to all kinds of people. It's it's one of the ideal relocation spots in the entire United States, and the Ukrainian people uh, are so in love with Lincoln and are so grateful for the services and the hope that they've received because every time their cell phone rings, their heart stops. They don't know what's Hmm. happened to the father, the brother-in-law, the mother left behind. And to have a community like Lincoln uh, put them in this protective bubble of love and hope and kindness and courage uh, is exactly the kind of shot in the arm that all refugees need. And 
many receive once they get to Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, and you you point out in your story, Joe, uh, the Christian community uh, here in Lincoln has has brought these uh, these these this family under their wings and yeah. just really made them feel at home. And I and I'm guessing that it it's reciprocal that they feel very welcome here in this in this community. Yes, absolutely. They uh, as, as the story this the last two paragraphs of the story says in quoting the mother of this three-year-old boy who had COVID and uh, nobody can explain how he's still alive. Uh, And she just gushes on and on about what being in Lincoln means to her and her family, how good the people are, how good the parks are, how good the school system is, how good the medicine and doctors are. And uh, she and uh, her family will be forever grateful for escaping miraculously this terror zone and landing in this island of just generosity and kindness that has sustained them uh, ever since they arrived. So yeah. we're very, very grateful to be where they are. Yeah, we're, we're visiting with Joe Starita from uh, Flatwater Free Press and his amazing story that you can find on flatwaterfreepress.org. Uh, certainly you can subscribe to their uh, free uh, weekly newsletter and read Joe's story. And uh, you can go to flatwaterfreepress.org and read his story. And, yeah. and uh, so, Joe, we really appreciate. Uh, so how's the family doing today? Have they found, uh, uh, assume uh, they've been here for a while now? They're doing really well. I mean, if, if you, you get into the story, uh, you will see that uh, there were two Ukrainian brothers who married twin Belarus sisters. And the two Ukrainian brothers, uh, two weeks ago, they opened their own auto body shop uh, here in Lincoln on uh, about 50th and Old Cutler Road. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to be uh, receiving handouts. They want to have their identity back. They want to have their respect back. They want to be able to work and generate a paycheck that buys food and rent and medicine and diapers and groceries. And so these two brothers who drove this 37-year-old Milo uh, across their entire country, dodging all of these bombs and missiles, are now on 50th and Old Cheney Road with their own automotive uh, repair company, and they um, are doing well, and their two wives are taking care of the children. They're learning English. They're looking to get a driver's license and uh, get their their children out to the park, establish better relationships with the uh, church. I mean, it's just it, it's a fairy wow. tale in many ways. It's the yeah. kind of story that we need right now, a story that kind of reminds all of us of who we were and how we are only as strong as the weakest link in our community. And if we have courage, hope, love, kindness, and gratitude, there really is no journey, Ukrainian or otherwise, that we can't survive. Joe, I'm I'm sitting here, uh, standing here at my microphone, nodding my head, smiling ear to ear. That that is such a a positive, uplifting message. I'm I'm so thankful that you uh, you brought it to the readers and 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 to our listeners here today. I uh, it sounds like a have you have have you done any movie scripts, uh, Joe? Maybe there's a movie script in you. Yeah, well, I I <laughs> will see. <laughs> I haven't. Uh... I was just thinking earlier, if this story had appeared in the Los Angeles Times, these people probably would have been besieged by a horde of agents by now. But uh, I think that um, uh, the public media station here in uh, Lincoln is very interested in doing this as a documentary. It is a very visual story. It has many uh, wonderful visual possibilities. And uh, 
if they can do that and bring bring yet another dimension uh, to it and bring in another audience uh, to show how we are all the same yes. and uh, how Lincoln has really emerged as kind of the hero of this drama, then that would be a wonderful thing. And I think it'll happen. Well, that's that's so encouraging, Joe. Well, and we were talking, <clears throat> I've been talking to uh, uh, the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce and some of their uh, strategic planning for the coming uh, year. And one of their initiatives, and we talked about this uh, a few episodes ago uh, here on the show, is to highlight and elevate uh, neighborhoods here in Lincoln. You know, so much attention, rightfully so, is downtown and state capitol and the university. Uh-huh. Uh, but we sometimes forget our uh, our roots and our in our uh, local neighborhoods, and and I just always think of uh, those ethnic neighborhoods in uh, along North Twenty Seventh Street, and those wonderful Vietnamese yes. and, and and other cultures uh, that we have and and we enjoy here from the wonderful uh, people who have chosen to make Lincoln their home. Yeah, that that's the job of local journalism. You you hit it right on the money. Our job is to hold up to a mirror to the community so that everybody in the community sees themselves not just certain parts of the community. If you don't see yourself uh, in the local media, radio, television, newspapers, except when you commit a crime or uh, do something uh, wrong, then you don't feel a part of the community. That's exactly Uh, right. But if we hold up a mirror and we show how diverse this community has become and how many good things these immigrants and refugees uh, are doing and, and how they struggle to get here. If, if they feel like they're a part of the community, then that just makes the community richer and stronger, Absolutely. and everybody wins. You bet. Joe Starita from Flatwater Free Press, thank you for joining us on the Dan Parsons Show, and have a great evening, Joe. Good to My talk pleasure, to you. Dan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. We'll be right back after this message on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to the Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition of the Dan Parsons Show here on 1499.3 KLIN. And boy, mark your podcast platforms that you can find us on because you'll want to rehear this uh, this show. Joe, thanks to Joe Starita from uh, Flatwater Free Press and uh, having just a few minutes to talk about this Hollywood-worthy uh, story of this Ukrainian family of 10 uh, who have settled here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Just a fascinating story. Joe, thanks again for, for sharing that. And thanks to Aaron Sanderford from Nebraska Examiner uh, from his report uh, from our, uh, our state capitol. Uh, they're going uh, late into the evening again today, it looks like, uh, debating uh, the bill uh, on voter ID uh, uh, by Julie, Sl- Julie Slama's bill. And there's uh, an amendment by Senator Brewer that um, she does not like. So, so that's an interesting debate over at the state capitol. Well, coming up on the Tuesday edition of the Dan Parsons Show, we'll welcome Krista Yoakum, chair of the Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. And we also welcome back Congressman Mike Flood. We didn't uh, we didn't get everything asked of uh, the congressman when he was on last Tuesday, so he's kind enough to take a few minutes to uh, join us uh, again tomorrow. So, thanks for listening. That's a wrap uh, uh, on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three K L I N.